Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Investing with IBD, sponsored by Vantage Point. Today is December 16th, 2020. I'm your host, Arusha Paris, and we have returning back to the show, Jim Ropel. Jim is the founder of Ropel Capital Management and star of GrowthStockMentor.com. Thanks for being here, Jim. You were killing me with that star thing. I know. That's why I said it. I love to be here. Reminds me of Christmas time. I did it a year ago, and uh, it's fun. Uh, Thanks for inviting me. I'm super happy to be here. On today's podcast, we are going to talk about the current markets. Uh, We're going to talk about the evolution of a trader over 30 years, and then we will end the episode with some of Jim's top ideas for 2021. And these are at this moment that we're not going to hold you to it, Jim, for all of 2021 there. So don't worry. Uh, Current market. We are in a confirmed uptrend distribution days, two on the NASDAQ, four on the S&P 500. Jim, what are your thoughts on this market? I am, you know, I'm super, super bullish on the opportunities I see in front of us. I, I think we're in, we've been in a super cycle for quite a bit of time, mm-hmm. but it was punctuated by this C-19 virus, which caused obviously a severe bear market, but it has caused something even more profound, which I think we're about to see. And that is the pent up demand of people who've been shut in and they just want to get out and live their life. They want a party. They want to blow out. Then they have, some people are broke, but some people have actually saved a ton of money. I think the spending that's going to be unleashed by the consumer is going to be impressive. Uh, So you've got a super cycle that is going to be punctuated by what I think is going to be a boom. And on top of all that, we have Chairman Powell, who's like the drunk engineer of the steaming locomotive racing down the track. You know, he's hitting the handle of Jack and jamming on the accelerator on top of a super cycle and a boom. So I am so bullish on opportunities. We're in a innovation cycle of digital revolution from payments to media, autonomous driving, data centers, semiconductors, biotechnology. We're in a renaissance of American innovation coupled with all these things together. It's like uh, all the stars are lined up. And I forget, these are my fundamentals that I think are the dominant fundamental factors but the market is acting on it. It's not just my opinion. Those are my opinions of why we're working. Yeah. But the market is in gear. It's, and you can see it in the normal levels of extension being extended. Stocks are getting so extended. Like back in the day, the 50 day was hard for leaders to hold. Now they're holding the 21 day. You're right. You're Exuberance right. is being played out in the market. So it's not just an opinion. Uh, these tidal waves are crashing into a shortage of shares. And, you know, just remember, we are all the architects of our own life. Nobody can stop you from capitalizing on this rare gem we're seeing right now. It's possibly a once in a lifetime opportunity. And we're in the USA, all this innovation is happening here. And the markets are rocking. Now, I'm a little fired up because I, I had a good day <laughs> and we're having a great, you know, how many triple digit years do you have? Not a lot. So everything's lined up, but right. short term, there's a lot of excess. The IPOs we saw come out were excessive. The SPACs I'm very negative on. I think there's going to, my old boss would say there's going to be tears and there will be tears on this. I, I can guarantee as sure as the sun goes down tonight. Now, 
the TMLs are getting extended to a level that concerns me. I am having- And what, and what does uh, TML stand for? Just a- True market leader. Thank you. You know, like a Tesla or yep. some of the amazing names we have. And there's that's another sign of the quality of this market. How many TMLs are, and they're just started to more, a whole other crop emerged just recently. Um, so, but be careful, there's gonna be cross currents here. One of the biggest down days we ever saw was on January 1st, 2000. I think the NASDAQ that day went down five or 7%. Everybody wanted to sell their gains in the coming year to push taxes out uh, 16 months. If you sell today, you have to pay in April. If you sell January 2nd, you pay 16 months later. So now the market also has started to game this. So we could see some real turbulence between Christmas and New Year's. Um, I, I, I'm concerned about those short-term excesses, but long-term, we are in a super cycle and the pessimism on the long-term is very pronounced. The VIX closed at 22 and a half today. The VIX can come down to the mid-high single digits. That's long-term structural fear, which we have not worked off. And the average, you know, the redemptions in the funds, we've been in net redemptions for two years. Really? This cycle wow. will not end until we've been net contributions for two years. We are way, way off on that. So economic boom, secular super cycle, Fed drunk on QE, um, and punctuated by this demand, people are wanting, they want to get out of their house and go wild. This yeah. is rare stuff we're seeing. So speaking of rare, now so some, some people bring up the, the parallels to a potential 99. If that was the case, uh, and, you know, and we're in the late 90s at that point, what year do you think this would be right now? Do you think this would be a 99 or is this 98 or 90s? 95 even setting up under line 99 a few years from now. Okay, the innovations are the same, mm -hmm. actually possibly more pronounced than the advent of the internet. That's what we had then. But don't confuse the fact, the Fed, the Fed raised rates three times that year. The Fed is overwhelmingly uber powerful. And they are, like I said, that the engineer is racing down the track on QE. So the, that's why we're seeing greater levels of extension. I think this is a much more powerful environment and earlier. Yeah, so, and well, I mean, even a lot of the companies that are doing well this time around versus 20 plus years ago, they actually have earnings and sales and they're really strong companies. Correct. The, there was a plethora of no, no earnings IPOs like Webvan and just crap. Yep. And we do have some of that now. I think it's more in the form of SPACs but we do have a much greater abundance of true technologies that are more durable and I think are longer lasting. And it's broader than just the internet. Yeah, We're looking at innovation in medicine, devices, biotechnology, which has really been kind of a laggard sector just recently. Bios just started to hop out. Um, this is broad based, much broader than just internet. So one thing that, that we've seen this year is you'll have a few days of, you'll run into some kind of ceiling. You'll have a few days of vicious, vicious selling off. Then the market really recovers, shockingly, really quickly. Uh, so that, is that that exuberance or is that just a, uh, a characteristic of a super cycle? Well, it's very characteristic of a market that is so bullish, it doesn't have time to digest. A, a more gradual advance gives 
weaker holders a moment to get out instead of this race up and then a panic. And then it, the Fed mark, the market realizes the Fed is still there and it just goes straight back up. If a, a more slow and determined market would be more, have more perseverance and less volatility, I think. It's just the nature of the beast that it's, I mean, how many markets hold the 21 day? This is crazy town. Yeah. And I love it. Um, you know, it's kind of like, it, I want to talk about crypto today, but crypto is exploded out again and it is nonstop. I think I just looked at hit 21,000 a few minutes ago. Wow. Yeah. I thought it was close to 21,000 before it, coming on. And we're gonna I was thinking of you. <laughs> we're going to have wicked corrections in this. I mean, I have a yeah. crypto hedge fund and I, I'm long as long as a human could be in this. I bought more this morning in my own personal account. Wow. on the breakout. So anyway, the answer to your question is these short-term super volatile painful pullbacks is a function of the rapid ascent in my opinion. Yeah. So so you know, let's stick with the that the the crypto topic because obviously that is in many ways the topic of the day even with all the stocks doing well. Crypto, Bitcoin going into all-time highs. Uh, well, first, what is that telling you just kind of, of the overall environment? And uh, so, yeah, let's go with that. And, and then I'll, I'll lead to the next question. Okay. We've got multiple things going on. Again, this is the Fed, and but it's also global central banks printing at a wild rate. And I, I don't like to be a global macro investor because there is a lot of negative in the world and it can get you, if you don't have a guardrail, you can get off trend, which I did terribly in 2013, 14. I had two bad years. I was overly pessimistic on central bank debt and just the Eurozone problem. But crypto is kind of like a put against that. And the, this is going to end horribly bad. This, the, the Fed, the world is drunk on heroin of quantitative easing. This, this is going to end disastrously. Now, Japan, I thought this was going to blow up in the late 80s. Japan hasn't blown up yet. They have had a dormant 30-year stretch. But right now, you've got a massive shortage of coins. There's only 17 million Bitcoin in the world. There will never be more than 21 million. There's not a Bitcoin for every person, every, every millionaire in the world. Beyond that, the institutional adoption is going crazy. We've got major conservative insurance companies putting a hundred billion in, hundred million, a billion dollars. We have Paul Tudor Jones is coming in. It's just institutional adoption. It's just like Bill would say with a stock. Mm. How many institutions hold it? Did they just start or are they overloaded in it? There's not, there's a shortage of coins in quality coins. Miners per day, the mining rewards that are mined are being consumed by like Square and PayPal almost exclusively right there. Any new money coming in is gunning this thing. And I have to give a shout out to my partner in my crypto fund. He passed away in the summer. I owe it all to him. If it wasn't for Matt D'Souza, you know, it, it hurts my heart that he doesn't get to see this breakout at 20. He lived for Bitcoin. It was everything. He was a legend in the industry. You Google Matt D'Souza, everyone followed him. So I owe him I wouldn't have a crypto hedge fund if it wasn't for him. And now I've got my new consultant, Sam, who was Matt's best friend helping me out. But uh, this is clear supply, demand, institutional adoption. It's a better gold. The gold market is $7 trillion. 
crypto is like 360 billion. Wow. It's about the size of like Nvidia, the whole crypto market. Th this can go radically higher, but there will be volatile periods. In the first run, I think there was nine corrections averaging 37% pullback. Crypto is immature, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but also look out for in the more speculative phase, Ethereum is probably going to come on very, very strong in the latter phase of this thing. So I'm bullish on crypto. So so that leads to my next question about biases, because obviously you know, crypto is a little, it's unknown to most people, which I think leads even more to towards a reason to be bullish. Um, but just talk about in general about overcoming biases and because uh, we all have them and, and part of getting better as a trader, investor, and, and even as a person is recognizing those biases and overcoming them. Talk about uh, some uh, some tactics that you've uh, taken over the years to overcome them and uh, really improve. Okay. You just never, ever, 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 ever violate the trend. And that is a guardrail in itself. Having a mentor or a group of sophisticated you know, people at, le at least as knowledgeable as you or way smarter. And make sure you understand that they are, there's a million people who talk, there's people who write newsletters, and then there's people who do, okay? Be very cautious of who you let mentor you. They will keep you in line and you know, criticism that stings is true. When Eve texts me this morning and says, you know, you kind of have more names than you've had in a very long time. It's going to be hard to get out of all that. And I'm like, she's right. So having people there as your guardrail, popping that ego is critical to success. Everybody, I know one of the most famous successful traders in the world. I, I'm, I, it doesn't matter. He has a group he communicates with and he's considered one of the most successful traders in history. He's alive today and he, he does it. It's good enough for him. It's good enough for me. Yeah. Good enough for Bill, it's good enough for me. You need guardrails on position sizing, stopping your losses, sector weightings, use of margin. You, you have to have guardrails all around you because we're all flawed. We're fallible. Our psychology makes us do ridiculous things. You have to have guardrails in place because you're honestly, you're going to be off your A game more than you're on. Mm -hmm. You need to have people pushing you back in on the road, at yeah. least I do. And, and and so now you you spoke about mentors. Talk about growth stock mentor. Yeah, what really inspired you to get? I was surprised honestly when when you went and decided to do that because you're really busy. You're managing three funds, and so so it it did surprise me that wow, Jim's going to take the time to to do this. Talk about you know why why you started doing that and. Uh, why you continue to do it? Well, it started with you. <laughs> you <laughs> called me and said, hey, would you do the show? And I, right. I, I loved it. I enjoyed it. I love to teach. Mentoring caddies at my club is something that is in the top five things I love to do. I, That's awesome. If I, I love to teach, but Bill, Bill taught me. Bill took the time to review my notes on charts and handwrite to me. And I'm like, I, I got a pay this back. And I, I love doing it, you know, doing this, but uh, listen, growth stock mentors away from me to, at first I had too many caddies coming in my office. I, I don't have time. So now I can reach all of them. I give it to those guys for free, yeah. but I can communicate with a large amount of people. I speak once a month. I'll answer a question for two hours. I'll answer every question that they send in. I do weekly updates on Monday after the close. 
I listened to all the comments. We sent out a form and said, what can we do better? And they want ideas that are actionable now. So I tried to do that. It's, you're, it's free to everybody for two weeks. Growthstackmentor.com. Uh, my buddy Adam gave me a whole bunch of things. Uh, actionable ideas, direct mentoring to you. Always the strongest stocks in the market. But you know, I'm somebody who really manages money. I'm not just some guy writing an opinion who has no repercussions. I'm, I'm in these, almost every stock I talk about, I own. Yeah. So that's it. Thank you for asking. No, no, I know. Honestly, because I, I got a, I got a, a, got to watch one of your videos, and and it's like this. Honestly, it, it, it's, it's you just talking about about your thoughts on the market, and uh, I, 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 you know, I personally thought it was incredibly valuable. So, uh, I agree with you that having someone as a mentor who's done it can really help you get through that learning curve. I know when I started twenty plus years ago, it was much much harder to just even, like learn what a couple of handle is and all this kind of stuff. So these days with technology, like we, you know, go really kind of wrapping it from the way we started th this uh, segment, technology has changed everything. It's changing all these industries, but it's really changing the way uh, we learn and how quickly we learn things. So uh, it's really pretty amazing that, that you are doing this. Well, listen, the answer to so many questions are what would Bill O'Neill do? Yeah. Bill O'Neill taught the masses of average middle-class people how to gentrify their life yes. it's good enough for bill it's good enough for me i answer so many questions would i buy this stock right here would bill you know on my shoulder would he be kicking me or he's saying way to go you know would, would bill say give back and teach as many people as you can yeah. in an efficient manner yeah it, it makes perfect sense I love well and, and and to add on to that too when you're forced to teach this and really kind of go back to the concepts that bill taught all of us uh, it really kind of holds you accountable too to go back to the fundamentals, right? It's helping you learn everything that much better. It's great for me because I, 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 I mean, I know about my ideas and I have them all organized in my ride the wave plan, but when I have to verbally discuss them every Monday, uh, yeah, it forces me to be accountable yes. and it makes me acknowledge my gaffes. Yes. How many guys you see on mad money who come on there and they run their mouths and the things blow up and they're never on the show again. I can show up every Monday. That's true. So the market isn't an uptrend. Uh, growth stocks are acting very well, but remember, manage that risk. Don't just go out running, buying stocks, be disciplined. Don't chase them. Let's take a quick break. But when we return, we are going to talk about the evolution of a trader and, and how Jim has evolved from now to 30 years ago. We'll be back. Stock market have you nervous? With the hope for a COVID vaccine and a shifting political landscape, it's virtually impossible to guess what will happen. But with Vantage Point, you don't have to. Visit www.freestockcoaching.com and find out how Vantage Point's AI technology can forecast stock market trends up to three days in advance with incredible accuracy. Vantage Point's patented technology analyzes huge quantities of global data in seconds. Stop guessing. Check out www.freestockcoaching.com and experience Vantage Point for free. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Jim Ropel is our guest on Investing with IVD, sponsored by Vantage Point. Okay, Jim, let's go over your evolution. Now, 30 years ago, you were doing really well, you, you know, and some of your trades were talked in uh, John Boyk's books. Uh, how has things changed from 30 years ago to now? What way have you seen? What's different? 
it's so different it's unbelievable i mean the speed with which trades occur um the information flow is lightning fast the reactions to information but you know as far as me evolving i look back at myself and i'm like how possibly did i not blow up 50 times like i i was so in the dark and had no idea i sometimes i didn't stop my losses i had no semblance of earnings and how it impacted stocks liquidity was something a lot of the stocks in Boyk's book were fairly small that i made money in I, I, there was so i was so in the dark it's hard to believe i i made it mm-hmm. uh, you know but to cutting your losses number one better selection criteria getting a mentor um understanding the value of a cushion it's so underrated a cushion allows you to sit and uh, uh let them grow and ferment uh well, let, let's stop you there with the with the cushion part, yes. um, because this is and this is something I struggle with, too. But this is definitely something that newer people are going to struggle with. You're up 10 percent on a stock. Right. And you're up pretty quickly. Now you're not necessarily dealing with, oh, my God, I'm up. I can really push it. The The normal reaction, the human reaction, the amateur reaction is I better take the profit before it takes it goes away. Right. Talk about that, because that. For me, I've gotten a little bit better at it. I continue to work on it, but that is a hard one. And and that, in, in many ways, is one of those strengths that, that I see with you. And that's why I like to listen to you, because it's just like a reminder of uh, hold for some of those bigger winners. Okay, you get a leader, and it shows you strength right away. I am in there pounding that. I mean, I am buying, buying, buying. I have no interest in 10% gain. That's a, that's a, it's not even a base hit. I People sell out of fear because that money means so much to them. If it pulls back, they're going to get all upset and they haven't had the experience of a triple digit winner or, you know, so they also, sometimes people don't believe the system they have and they think this is a one-time thing. It's up 50%. I have to take it to buy my car when they don't realize if you follow the method and implement consistently with discipline, you're going to have strings of these things. They're going to keep coming. They're never, we're in America. This is never going to stop unless we kill the golden goose of capitalism. So knowing, not being fearful, understanding the process, um, having cushion allows you to sit for those bigger gains. The value of a cushion is, it's, it's so hard to even expand on. It's so valuable. You can't sit if you're up five or 10%. 10%, if I'm up 10% on a stock, I think there's a 50% chance or 60% chance it'll come back to the pivot. We're just getting started. Okay. You know, you want to be up 200% in a stock. You're looking at nine months, bare, usually bare minimum in anything of quality. You know, it takes 18 months for the average cycle uh, true market leader to get to get there. And once you have cushion, you can endure these pullbacks. The evolution of a trader is understanding cushion and position size. When you're up 10%, that's telling you something. You want to build that position. I mean, I'm I'm always adding a couple thousand here. I mean, even on very small digestions and just new highs, mm-hmm. you it does you no good to have a double or a triple and have 2% of your accounts in it. And most people never get there, but the ones that do usually have reduced all the way. And I've done it. Yeah. Every mistake in the book. I had NVIDIA one of the better stocks in my life. And I, I hit it really, really big, really, really quick. 
And then I sold before every earnings report and I sold, I just, I just, I, I, it was a massive bungle. I could have had a career trade on that thing. Speaking of earnings reports, how do you handle earnings reports? What, what is like kind of the position size you're willing to go to if you have a decent enough uh, profit and a decent enough cushion in it? My theory is 50 to 80% of all the gains in stocks occur on earnings. So if you're not in for the earnings report, you're just not going to get there. Yeah. Now, I'm ready. I, I, oddly, I have this right here. Here's my matrix on position size, gap down, and max loss for accounts. I know to the exact tenth of a fraction wow. what my loss is going to be on position size. So depending on my cushion for the year, I know what I can withstand. You know, I, I will only get involved with positions that I can take a 25, 20, 25% hammering on. But you you just, look, six beaten raised quarters is going to equal a life changer. You want to go from first class to private jet, you get six beaten raised quarters on, say, four stocks in your life, you'll be a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. Wow. But if you don't sit through those earnings reports, right here, bro, I mean... <laughs> If what inspired you to, to create that, that matrix? Was there a specific kind of event that you, you had to sit down and say, you know what, I'm, I'm missing some of these opportunities. I got to put something more on, on a piece of paper so I can look at it objectively. Or Mission of a trader. I mean, I've had my face kicked in, you know, and it goes to the, to the temperature of the market. How are earnings reports being received? I mean, after you see maybe a string of four or five that are not, uh, the market goes down or the stock goes down. And then you have one that just gaps up and rocks. I remember Amazon did it like 10, 15 years, 10 years ago. I switched from bearish to bullish on that alone. Wow. I mean, it turned my whole view on the market around. Um, risk management is the bedrock of the pyramid of evolution of a trader. It's, the, it, 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 it's so basic. I don't even talk about it. Yeah. I mean. It is kind of funny. Yeah. I want to go into that a little more. Yeah. You want to get. It depends on how far you want to take it. You want to get to that apex, like the eye and the dollar of the bill. Emotional control. Do you see a shrink once a month beyond the mentor? Are you willing to spend the money on it to keep you in line? I, I do. do. What's with your physical condition? Can you run three hedge funds, do a podcast after the close, be prepared to answer a million questions and take you know all kinds of calls during the day? You could have stamina. Are you eating right? Feeding yourself fruits and berries and, you know, do you have conditioning? Do you, do you have a trainer? What are you willing to spend on this? You want to be, you know, Peyton Manning. You want to be Tiger Woods. You want to be, you know, Paul Tudor Jones. You got to be in your A game in every comp component of your life. How is your home life? Do you, are, are, is everything under control so you can make great decisions without all this interference? Are you in tune with who you are? That's the pyramid. Any goof can screen for 99 composite rank stocks. How do you handle them? That's risk management. That's knowing yourself. That's being in good condition. Laird Hamilton trains and works out like a fiend. He travels the world. He, everything he does is about excellence in surfing. You want to be number one surfer? You want to be the number one golfer? You want to be the number one trader? What are you willing to do to get there? And are you willing to do it consistently with discipline when you don't want to do it for 30 years. That will make you a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. Anyone can do it, but you got to be the architect of your own life. No one can stop you, but you have to know what you want to go. You have to have a plan. 
And you got to determine how far you want to take it. Maybe you're just totally complacent with what you have. You want to go up the rung? That's what it takes. And and one of those rungs probably early on in, in this evolution and, and really starting to head towards the apex is doing the research for yourself. It, it A lot of times in the beginning, and you see that we, I, I see this all the time. I'm sure you're going to start seeing this. It's, hey, just tell me what ideas to buy. That's right? the candy. But, that is the candy. Everybody but talks the candy. But it, <laughs> Eve did a, a research report for me. I said, I would like you to do a report on level of extension from the indexes. I think this is really important. And she blew it out. She did this golden report. She she was a senior level researcher for the Federal Reserve. I and mean, she's A plus at this. Yeah. And I read it over and I kind of got the gist of it. But I recognized she learned 90% more than I did. When you do the research, you really, really get it. I mean, there's this kind of like this saying, and I'm going to butcher it, but it says something like a smart man learns from his own, from his mistakes, but the really wise man learns from other people's mistakes. Well, that's kind of a catch 22. If you don't have the pain of the mistake, do you really learn? Yeah. I think the, the losses I took and the bungles that I in, engaged in in mass and now still to this day, just less or so made me able to handle I learned more from the mistakes and doing your own research. You, when you do that research, you read it. It's much more, it soaks in. You can get the gravity of it when you do your own research. I think you can get great ideas from anybody, Yeah. but when you dig into them yourself, then you really learn. Now speak, you brought up mistakes. Uh, and, and in the end, I, I agree with you. I mean, that's really where you're going to learn. I mean, I had to break every rule in the book that that bill talked about before i was like oh yeah that's why they have these rules uh, with uh talk about a recent trading make mistake that that you uh that you made you know because even though i mean one thing that i've learned is that you, even though you get a lot of the main things down you're like okay this is what i do you're still making mistakes they just might have been huge mistakes but what is a recent trading mistake that that you've recently made i made two i think i made them this week today's uh, maybe whatever in the last five trade, I bought solar edge and I told everybody on grill stock mentor, this is a rickety base. Wouldn't I told everybody, this is a rickety base. And I was lured in by my personal greed Yeah. that I saw that it was the number one group. And I felt the wind would be in all of those stocks sales. And I got stopped out like the day I bought the thing took a huge, you know, I took a, a loss on it and got out and I bought canopy growth. It's a $30 stock with massive overhead. It had a great breakout and it looked good, but I always find that these low price stocks are the ones that I have losses in more frequently. Yeah. I mean, how I've been doing this for 30 years. <laughs> I made those mistakes this week. Okay. I mean, you know, um, I got greed and ego made me want to harvest this massive year. So I kind of maybe slightly overhedged. Um, and I started to chase stocks that were declining, selling in the money calls and I'm pushing the price down. And I was too aggressive. I, you know, the, the litany of mistakes never stops. Yeah. It's recognizing them really quick. And, you know, dude, work, you want me to go on? I can go on. Yeah, no, 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 go, go on a little bit more. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, no, I think this is really, I mean, and the reason is, it's it's very valuable for me and, and everyone else out there. It's like, here, you've been doing this forever. And if you're still making mistakes, you're being human. 
right? And and that's what I that's what when I got mentors and I learned and I saw they were still making mistakes. It made it was like okay, I don't have to be perfect on this. You just got it. You just slowly improving and recognizing those mistakes quicker. You clearly don't have to be perfect. You do have to have risk management. That is, it's a zero defect policy. It's what keeps has kept me in the game for thirty some years. I started in eighty seven. Um, the mistakes are just going to be there no matter what. Reversing them immediately when you have those losses, uh, staying in check with why the heck you do it and reducing that. Um, dude, I could go on and on about this forever, but you don't have to. The greats are wrong six or seven out of 10. Yeah. You're going to be wrong. Your default on every trade should be I'm going to get stopped out. Yeah. Well, I mean, it just reminds me of, I think there was a Michael Jordan quote, right? He, he's, he's failed like a million times, right? Missing all these shots. And he's like, that's why I succeed. That's Baseball. why I'm the best, right? 300 hitter. Yeah. What, what, they miss seven out of 10. Yes. And they're considered elite. They're good they're for 20 million a year. Yeah. They strike out three out, uh, seven out of 10. They make 20 mil a year. Yeah. How many stocks do you have to get right in your life to fly private all the time? Just think about that. You need four or five stocks to have five, four to six beaten raised quarters, position size correctly, and you're there. Okay. Position size. So, so let's go into position size. What do you consider position size correctly then? Well, when I was a cowboy, when I was a kid, I sometimes would put my whole account in three stocks and lever it up. I mean, I was a cowboy. And that's how you have a 300% year. Mm. You, you can do that, but the risk is off the rails. And if you have a family and kids and big responsibilities, that's probably not viable. I have responsibility to all my partners. I, I, you know, I, I work for these guys. I can't do that. Um, for me in the fund, you know, my matrix shows me about 18% is about the perfect position in a, in a bull market where earnings are being treated well. Because again, if you have three stocks that double in a year and you have an 18% position, you're up almost 60%. Yeah. Let's put that in perspective. The greatest trader, one of the greatest traders living today has averaged about 30% a year. Okay. So you know, and this is kind of a bullshit uh, call out indicator. People who run their miles and say, oh, I'm up, you know, 100%, 100%. Oh, if Miller's up 30, they're not. Okay. <laughs> they're full of crap. You know, <laughs> do the math, compound out 100,000, a couple, you know, million dollars at 30% a year. You're, you'd eat the world. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I want to, I want to get back to kind of the, having a, a good community, good friendships, trading friendships, things like that. You, you touched on it a little bit. You talked about Eve and he's been on the show before and, and she's amazing. She made a lot of great stock picks too last year. Uh, talk talk about uh, Cubby Bears. Cubby, Cubby Bears is one of, one of your best friends. Of friends. I mean, maybe my best friend. Look, the beauty of dealing with traders who have been successful is they own their law. They, own, they know who they are. They don't make excuses for anything. Anybody who makes excuses and says the market may, uh, caused me to lose this money or I got a DUI because of the police or whatever, you got to, traders who have been there for a long time own their shit. They own their mistakes. They're real people. Um, you know, Bob Furman, 
I, the trading community that I associate with is a lot of elite people who help me keep me on my A game. They're the best friends. They're usually type A and love to party. There's a lot of positives to hanging out with these <laughs> And the ideas we get. And, you know, Cubby Bear says to me, talk about um, criticism that stings is true. I'm very worried about the liquidity crisis that we're going to have when the quantitative easing ends globally. He's like, Ropes, you can't go negative on me like you did in 13 and 14. You're going to have bad years. He's like, you got to keep me on track. He, you know, that stung my ego. My, yeah. it hurt. Having people that you trust and are really qualified to discuss these things with you, imperative to success. So going off of that, because one thing you and Cubby both love to do is go golfing. Talk about some lessons in golf that you've learned that you apply to trading. The hero shot is just like the dumbest thing in the world. You, you know, you blow it off the tee, you're in the woods, and there's like a hole about four feet square through the trees to get it to the green, which is like, you know, Tiger Woods is going to hit one in, one in 10. I'm going to hit one in 200 chip it out in the fairway, play for bogey and go on. You're going to survive bogey. Yeah. You're not going to survive triple. <laughs> You're not, you can't, you can't shoot in the seventies. If you make a triple, it's yeah. almost impossible. And knowing that you can't be the hero, you know, in simple terms, betting the 60 to one shot at our, at the racetrack is just throwing it out the window. Right. Um, golf teaches you, you play golf with somebody, you learn about who they are because everyone's going to make mistakes. How do they handle it? Are you playing for money? How's the pressure? Millions of people can write a newsletter. You know how many people can trade with the weight of fidelity deciding to let rip on a billion dollars worth of stock you own? You know, I, I was, I love guns and I'm shooting at a range. And this guy's like, wow, he goes, you're a pretty good shot. I go, oh, thank you. He goes, how good do you think you'd be if it was shooting back at you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody's cool when they're writing a newsletter and they have no uh, money on the line. Or when you're in a super cycle too. Right. You know, right. I mean, th listen, there's an awful lot to be said for holding your winners in a super cycle. Yep. Look at the greatest winning stocks in history. You know how many people sold, sold those stocks up 10 and 15%? Right. Most people. Now, uh, so going off of that, with... It, going back to the golf, where you're, you're going to set, you're, you're going to first uh, hit, hit, hit a shot into the fairway to set up your next shot. Talk about your you can't reduce more than thirty percent a day rule because I, I think that's really important, especially for those who like to do all or none type of stuff. Guardrail. It's a guardrail from my fear or greed. I mean, we have a follow through day. Yep. I may be fearful, but I force myself to go thirty percent long. If I'm, if the market's just blowing up all around me, I will not let myself sell more than 30% of the whole account in a day because it keeps me from just panicking. But there, this is very, it's a nuance. There are, a, some rules can be amended on special occasions. Not like the little kid who says, hey, I wanna sleep over you know, uh, this weekend and then the next weekend and every weekend is not a special occasion. A special occasion occurs on your birthday. You can blow it out on your birthday and you can diverge from that perfect health routine. There are rare nuances where if you have three or four stocks climax run in a day, you might get, you might end up getting way out of a lot of stock 
you know, maybe more than 30%, but how often do you have three stocks or five stocks climax in a day right. in your life? That might happen five, six times in your life max if you have a brilliant career. So amending your rules of, I like to buy stocks that are in my ride the wave plan when the market's closed. You know, I make the plan when the market's closed and I act judiciously when it's open. But when I see an explosion in volume, like a, a tectonic shift, a tidal wave of money rolling into a stock on some revolution in you know, clinical trials or earnings or an unknown variable that is now known, I have to break that rule and I have to go get that stock. But you have to know that through experience. Um, I don't, I, buying extended is a classic rookie mistake. Bill said rookie mistake to me over and over again. Wow. But sometimes you have to buy it 20% up and pay the top tick. And then it may digest for three or four days and go into new high ground and you got to double your position. That's a rule. I mean, it's, you have to know when it's a special occasion, but you, you can't trade options every day. You can't make 50 trades every day. You can't, you have to be composed 95% of the time and not break rules. Perfect. So learning from others who have done it before is a huge way to get through the learning curve. I think this segment is an excellent example of that. Coming up next, Jim and I are going to talk about a few ideas and some stocks that you might really like for 2021. Stay tuned. Tired of reading about other people getting rich in the stock market? Today is your day. Vantage Point's artificial intelligence has predicted countless market reversals, helping traders weather any storm up to three days in advance. Visit www.freestockcoaching.com and find out how their AI automatically recognizes global market patterns well ahead of the news to help you pick the best trade. Go to www.freestockcoaching.com to join a free live training session today. Don't delay, save your seat now. We are back with Jim Ropel on Investing with IBD, sponsored by Vantage Point. Okay, Jim, let's get into a few ideas here. And, and so now the first stock that we're going to talk about is, uh, you know, we were talking about 99 before. Might as well talk about this one because it's starting to act better again. Qualcomm. Uh, what do you like about this stock? Okay, all these stocks, I just want to say, these are for a whole year. And right now, this market is really, really heated up. And I don't see a lot of really uber high quality names ready to be bought now. So I would really like everyone to wait for some type of digestion in the general market where things are frothy right now. And these names are not ready to be bought today, but you said 99. So let's do this. Let's go to a, a yearly or a, the longest chart you have. What do you have a monthly? Yeah. Do you want me to go back to 99? I can yeah. go back to 99. And no, 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 right there. That's totally cool. Okay. Okay. Here, here, I'll go to monthly. Here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Look at that at a hundred, at 100, this stock <laughs> has been fermenting for 21 years. Incredible, yeah. Okay, I was in that, some of that, doesn't really, matter. skip all that. This has just emerged out of a monster base. And all of these true market leaders are rooted in fundamentals. Maybe, just maybe, this stock and Xilinx are telling us that 5G is really gonna get traction this year. Now, any stock that comes out of a 21 year base is just completely got my attention. Now. This is a large cap stock and it's not going to be, this is a stock we can make money in, but it's not a 99 RS with, it. it it's just too big. It's not going to, it's Tesla's so unique and rare. This is not that. This is a good stock that we can make money with, but it has all the numbers I love. Um, you know, estimates 
for 2021 are for 62% earnings growth. The margins are opening up to uh, pre-tax margin has gone, you know, just popped up to 24%. Uh, Relative strength for a big cap is 87. The last quarter's earnings were up, they beat by 24%. Revenue growth, 73%. Earnings growth, 86%. It's just technically very nice. You know, you look at the daily I'm sorry, the weekly, I'm sorry. And you've got most of the big bars are blue. I I just think this is a great stock for more conservative people. Uh, I think PayPal. Yeah, let's let's go to, well, before we go to PayPal, uh, with Qualcomm, Mm -hmm. now there's one thing here where over the last few months, it has been really respecting this 10-week line or the 50-day moving average on the the daily chart. Uh, So it's finding classic support there. Yeah, there was a a pretty valuable lesson you learned from Bill years ago about the the 50 day moving average, right? I'm I'm sure you remember it. Why why don't you share that with us? Well, first of all, it's another guardrail. Anything that is trading below the 50 day by more than four or 5% for a meaning, you know, on a Friday close or more than three, four weeks, there's an issue. if you sold all your stocks when they broke the 50, you would do, you could do very, very well if you had good selection criteria. But Bill told me, he's like, flat out, I had a, an absolute juggernaut of a stock and I choked on it. And he wrote on the notes, you know, he said, never sell a stock with triple digit sales and earnings until it breaks the 50. And he wrote, these stocks will go way farther than anyone suspects. And if you look at like a C limited, if you pull that up right now, it's a really yep. good example of a stock that has been, if yeah. you look at that stock, hold the 50. Yeah, exactly. It's you amazing. know, you get into these true elite gems. There's your guardrail, buy it, grab some bench. You yep. can, this stock, you know, if you took a stock from 50 to 200, you had a, a, a three banger, look at how long it took. Okay. Yep. Yep. It's three, four quarters. How many 300% winners do you need to change your life? With If you position size, right? Here's a perfect example. Buy it on the breakout yep. and just do not sell it until it cracks the 50. And you know, on a Friday close or buy a meaningful amount, yep. there's a 300% winner. All you had to do was hold above the 50. And position size. It's not going to help you to have 2% in this thing or to trim it off because it's you know got... Listen, when it got a little extended Maybe in here. the June... Yeah, right in there. I would be hedging, but I wouldn't sell my stock. Yeah. Perfect example. No, I mean, this is an excellent example, especially since I think I did sell it around here. (laughs) I had it for this run, but I did, I reduced it way too quick, but I still kept a smaller position. And instead of adding back to this, that's where I I said, ah, you know what? What am I doing? Let me just get out. It'll probably break. I predicted at that point. Look, once you get in and you have cushion, if you sell it, say it was extended around the 120 area, 130, mm-hmm. getting back at the 50-day moving average is a messy affair. Right. 50-day moving averages are no lock, not even close. They touch it, undercut it, bang into it, go back below. They they fumble around and fuss around. Yeah. It could take weeks. Oh, and, and the the five to seven percent moves in there, the odds of getting stopped out are extremely high. When you get in at 70 and you have 100 points of cushion 
for 50 points of cushion grab the bench yeah you can't the understanding liquidity and cushion are two of the more evolved points in the pyramid of the growth of a trader yeah um, now this is so easy to say i'm running my mouth my son i bought it for him because it has this game called free fire it's a video game and i want to get my boy involved okay and so i don't ever look at his account it's so small like i gotta run these funds i don't i, I don't want it so anyway he's just been sitting on it i would have paid you know i would have got nervous with this thing a bunch too I, i'm not immune to that it's easy no, it, it, small account <laughs> right right no and, and a lot of times that's why i say these rules which are others you know when i is but I'm really saying it to myself, you know, it's like, I'm reminding myself, you know, don't sell these things before they break the 50 and all this kind of stuff. Um, because yeah, I mean, it, it, you're human and, and you're going to fall. All it takes is one, that one weekday, right? You're talking about eating right, uh, working out, all these kind of things, make, make, making sure your mental frame of mind is in a healthy state. Just takes one day, it takes really one moment in that day. Meditate. To say, screw it and, and get out of it, right? Yeah, you gotta, I mean, it, I'm not perfect. I don't meditate every single day, but a lot of times when I'm really cooked, mm -hmm. frazzled, you know, I'll just say, I'm going to not look for 15 minutes. I'm going to meditate. But uh, I like that. I like that a lot. there's a lot that goes into this. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go to another large cap stock. This is PayPal just started to emerge into uh, new highs. Uh, what do you like about these guys? Well, I like that it is super liquid like Qualcomm. But again, you have super durable, stable earnings, 99 composite rating, 28% earnings growth this year, 20% next year in the lead for the public in the digital revolution, like square, yep. super consistent, uh, fat margins, pre-tax, after tax. Now the relative strength is 88. Okay. Again, this is a lot. This is a three, $270 billion market cap company. Um, but don't ever say a stock can't go higher because it totally can. PayPal could become one of the biggest financial companies in the world. There's no reason it can't. It's innovative, digital revolution, yep. stable earnings, and it's this stock shouldn't whip you all over the place. It, it has, it's gonna have some bad days, of course, but the fundamentals, all the technical variables check out, 41% earnings growth, 25% sales growth, 23% after-tax margins, in a stock that trades 10 million shares a day at 225. The magic elixir is sky high earnings growth in liquidity. You have those two variables. Think about a Janus 30 fund. They have billions and billions of dollars in there. They only buy 30 stocks. They can't buy some tiny little junk stock. Yeah. So you have two companies. One trades $5 billion with a daily dollar volume and one trades a couple hundred, uh, hundred million, which one's gonna have the higher PE? Of course, the larger market cap because the institutions can't get in that little one. Right, the right. PE on something like a PayPal is gonna be double or triple that small cap stock that they can't attract the institutional money. Until you understand liquidity, you're just at a massive loss in this game. Without the institutions there, you just, you don't have the, the fuel behind these things. It, right, and right. also, you know, you talked about mistakes, a painful one. I got stuck in a, some Chinese stock 15 years ago. I had like, you know, five days worth of daily dollar volume in the thing. Wow. I couldn't get out. You want to burn your fingers off. You touch that stove 
and you try to pull your hand off and then like an elephant stands on your hand and you're just frying your hand. It, wow. you, you don't ever forget that. Me telling you guys all this, you know, it, it's, you just, you don't learn it until you get crushed. And into, if you're running a couple hundred thousand dollars or a couple million dollars liquidity, you don't understand liquidity because you're not trapped in anything. So you, but when you are trapped and you're an institutional investor, you'll never buy another piece of junk again. When I mean piece of junk, a small cap stock with, you know, a very low average daily dollar volume. Those are non-starters for professional investors. They're just not going to happen. Those are guys you know are flip flopping around two thousand shares, but the big money's never going there. Yeah. So anyway, I beat that up. No, good. that 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 makes a lot of sense. Uh, and and with that, we're gonna just keep getting smaller and smaller on the. The market yeah. caps. <laughs> I'm gonna do exactly what I said not to do. <laughs> exactly. Let's let's go to a mid cap. <laughs> let's, right. We're gonna go with Etsy. All right. This is really where I think the thunder money is made, because from mid cap stocks evolving into large cap stocks. Exactly. It's just this meaty middle part of the evolution. It's it's somewhat proven. This has a twenty three billion dollar market cap. Mm -hmm. It trades 3.7 million shares a day at uh, two, two, I'm sorry, 182. I own this thing. Uh, only 180% earnings growth this year. Last quarter's earnings, 483%. Yep. Relative strength, 97. Composite rating, 99. And the after-tax margins are really opening up. They were 8.7%. They're now 238 the, I might be getting this wrong here. I got to delete that. The pre-tax margin is at 9.9. .9. It's, it's evolving and it, it is a, a thinner margin company, but it's moving along pretty well. Yeah. It's just when a stock has a little bit of, this is a perfect size for me because I can get in there. I can get, I can put, you know, a lot of money into it by most people's standards and I can get out of it in a pinch if I have to. And the upside's enormous. What if these guys turn into eBay? Right. I mean, look, look here. What's the E B A Y? Just to give you an idea. Let me just pull it up. Thirty-six billion. Yeah. Wow. Thirty-seven. Yep. It's only thirty-seven billion. Whatever. It'd be fine if if it went from twenty-three to thirty-seven. It'd be a nice win for me. <laughs> I thought eBay's would have been higher than that. That I did too. Surprise me. Oh, uh, well, one one thing that that I also like about Etsy, and I do have some shares of Etsy too, uh, is there is some good institutional ownership here. Absolutely. I mean, there from the, we have five out of the twenty IBD mutual fund index stocks, which are handpicked by the IBD's market team as growth funds, uh, as great, really great growth fund managers. And so, five of them are in there, including Contrafund. Fidelity Contrafund is in there. Will Danoff, who's a legend, right? So, uh, for picking great, great growth companies. So, whenever I see Fidelity Contra Fund in there, that's a, that's another nice uh, notch uh, uh, for on its on the belt. Of, of and the beauty about about seeing that is Fidelity. Those analysts who cover the retail sector, they go to each of the fund managers' offices, and the fund manager says, "Hey, uh, what's your favorite stock?" He goes, "Etsy." So, when you see it show up in Contra, you're going to see it show up in Balanced and you know uh, OTC growth. Yeah. So the the, the gem is finding one of those fidelity funds that took a small position 
because you know the analyst that talked him into it is going to go down the hall and talk to the guy who runs the other fund and they're all going to have it yeah you know so what is going to happen to a stock that's a mid-cap or a lower mid-cap stock where fidelity decides to put it in four of their funds there's no question that thing's going higher it's, yep. it's, a, it's a it's no you can't stop it there's not enough stock right no i mean that that's a really good point yeah um, and one that, you know, I don't always think about, but yeah, you always kind of slowly see them start going into the other Fidelity funds. Let's, let's go to another stock here. And this is Digital Turbine. It's been a rocket ship, ticker symbol APPS. And uh, what do you like about uh, these guys? It's digital, the digital evolution coupled with the from a desktop to a laptop to a handheld mm -hmm. these guys the fundamentals here are just it's so with the times uh and by let's it's not my opinion okay look at the earnings estimates for next year 205 percent growth the following year 33 percent estimates and another case of return on equity going from non-existent na to 30.8 percent mm -hmm. that's pretty significant they just started to have a pre-tax margin sales growth only 116% on a 200% earnings growth with a 36.4% earnings beat last quarter and what do you know after tax margins have been ramping they were mid single digits not that far long ago now that's 20% relative strength what's that number 99 baby yep, yep. um it's it's cutting edge future technology now look I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. This market cap is $4.3 billion. This is, it's beyond, it's beneath my, I can't really get involved with this, but for the guys out there that want the candy and it's extended here. Okay. I would not buy it here, but we're going to have a pullback in the general market for sure. Guaranteed. This thing pulls back. It gets brutalized. It maybe it formed, maybe it holds up great and it does a flat base or we get a bad trend it cup and handle Yeah. next year. You know, don't be shocked if the market cap's 10 billion in December of next year. If they locked and throw up some more monster quarters, their location, Austin, Texas. Bill used to talk about look at where the groupings of innovation is occurring. They are domiciled in Austin. I mean, it, that's a very tertiary thing compared to a lot of the other things we're discussing, but it's important. Um, you know, I don't own it, but I, I think it's great. It's very small, but it. this is the kind of thing you might win a stock contest with. <laughs> right, that's right. And what I did notice here, that Lord Abbott developing growth is in it, and, and we're big fans of, Fido, of those guys there. Fido Balanced is in it. Oh, perfect. Um, okay, let's go to one more stock here, and this is one that's done really well, uh, and uh, Grow Generation, ticker symbol GRWG, and this is a microcap. So um, I, I don't know if you're in it or not, but um, this is definitely a small stock, but it, it, you want to talk about trying to it, it being in the right place at the right time at a beginning of a trend. All right. No? Let's, let's not kid ourselves here. Weed is overtaking the world. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's it's just gonna make the honest. world mellow. Um, you know, estimates 176% growth this year, yeah. followed up by 144 next year. You know, even these, the, there was a big merger today with Tilray and the other one, Canopy showing signs of life after just a, you know, a boom and bust period. This thing is a fleet. It's a spec. 
I, I don't even know if I could buy it with my own money. It's so small. It has great accumulation. It has like eight weeks in a row up after that last earnings report. Yeah. It's digested. It's popping out again. There's no telling what this thing could do. I mean, I, I see no end. You know, I said uh, Fed Powell's, you know, knocking back a, a handle of Jack. He's probably knocking back some weed too. The world is total. it's become socially acceptable. It's no yep. longer a stigma. It's right. being legalized across the nation. I mean, yep. it's accepted. Yep. You know, we have a we have a, a, a psychedelic, we have a mushroom stock that came public. CMPS, it might be. I bought some That's of them. Right. I, I actually it. bought some of that. That's yeah, psychedelic. Yeah, I thought that was really, really interesting. The the world has changed its values to what's acceptable is not the stigma. Mm. And there is real value proven with psychedelics for PTSD and all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the guys who were all running the club when I joined it, when I was 30 or now, they're all gone. <laughs> I'm getting to be the old guy. <laughs> so, you know, th that's the world we're in. Girl group could be huge. Yeah. What could this CMPS? I mean, everything I'm saying, guys, own it. You have got to stop your own losses. Don't blame anything on me. Be a big boy. <laughs> Right. That's true. That that that's so true. These this all for informational and educational purposes only. But we're getting a tremendous education from Mr. Ropel here. So it's way beyond that. If you don't have self responsibility, you will never make it in the market ever. If you yes. are blaming other people for your outcome, where you are in life, the market's just not for you. Just give it up. Give your money to a pro. This is the all. This is the ultimate accountability right the, the markets because everything else is especially like any a lot, lot of other jobs there's some you know there's science there's more black and white in the market anything can happen and you have to, it's up to you to to manage your emotions and have those rules and accept your uh mistakes and learn from them and be responsible at all times that it's your fault and that way you have control so you can fix those faults the market is going to expose your personal weakness immediately yes. within minutes of your first trade. It's going to put the pressure on you. You're going to determine, are you greedy? Are you fearful? Just everything that ever happened to you in your whole life is going to come to fruition right before you, the second you put your trade on. Yeah. And I hate calling them trades. I am not a trader. I make decisions. I think people who call them themselves traders are like, I'm putting a coin in a slot machine. I think they equate it like it's the action. I'm so past that, that the evolution of a trader is I make decisions I like that. and then I execute them. I'm not in it for three seconds or three minutes or 10%. I'm in it for 80%, 200%. I'm trying to change my life and the lives of my partners. Mm -hmm. I no more would buy a thousand shares of stock and take three points out of it than I'd rather, I'd rather give the money away. Right. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I mean, I definitely for uh, you're definitely one of those guests that that we have on is that leans much more towards the investor side versus the the trader side because you are going for those bigger kind of game. You're you're trying to capture the primary trends, right? And and uh, so and in the end, like you said, you know, if you do it four or five times with a properly sized position, it's it's life changing. And so let's contrast that. I've been doing this for over thirty years. I've seen multiple cycles of day traders. Guess how many are still around? I know one and he's broke and he's miserable. A hundred percent failure rate, wow. 100. Now I know a lot, I know several people who become seriously rich, like uber rich. 
yeah. by sitting. What, what more do you need? There is empirical evidence, proof. I mean, it's not a, it's not a random study. This is a fact. Mm-hmm. Sitting in monsters and being patient is a life changer. Look at the richest people in the world. Bill Gates sat with Microsoft. Elon Musk sat with Tesla. The Gates, the Goulds, the, the people who own the steel companies, the Gilded Age, they loaded up and concentrated and they sat their butt down in an innovative technology. The railroads, the robber barons, they all made money by sitting. Yeah. You know, yeah, how about the guy who started monster.com? He sold it for $5 million. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get rich. This is not tricky. You got to let time work for you, right? And you know, I, look, I learned, I bought multiple stocks and they went up $1,500. And I'm like, my God, I could fix my car with that. And I took the money and it went up. It was up when it went up $10,000 in value. And then I had another one. I sold up 10,000. It went up 30,000. And then I took some at a hundred thousand and went up half a million. I mean, you, you at, at a certain point you go, I, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable now. Yeah. I'm in this to win it. Yeah. I'm in it for the big game. Speaking of big gains and, uh, you know, trying to get away from the markets a little bit, we're going to go off topic here a little bit to end the episode. Let us know, some, what are some of your favorite rock bands? What, what do you like to listen to when the markets are not there? You know, I, I, we talked about this before, and I was making these parallels. What are the two things I would sleep out overnight for? Tomorrow's edition of IBD. There we go. And exactly. When I was a kid, I slept out for concerts all the time. I always wanted to sit in the first couple rows. Music to me is about passion, like the market. It's a passion. I mean, it's, it, it's, dude, I have, I'm stunned Spotify is not earning tons of money and much higher than it is. It's, yeah. I, it's on right now. Um, I love music. I had a, you know, an iPod. I had 20,000 songs and I had a, a detachable hard drive. I had so many songs in it, but music it has so many similarities to the market, being passionate, how hard are you, you know, what you learn from songs, the pain that those artists went through and they vent it through their music, the right. meaning in some of the songs I listen to are so powerful. And then the experience of a live show, sitting in the first row or the first five rows with thundering motorhead pounding where your organs are shaking inside and you've got a legend on stage, Lemmy. I mean, I love motorhead. I love, you know, live shows with people you love yeah experience um so i love hard rock that just yeah. drives me when, I work yeah. out when i'm lifting yeah when i'm pushing myself yeah you know godsmack one of my godsmack no favorite way. bands they just they're so venting of the anger and uh the tunes are amazing uh you know now listen i hanging out with younger people is so critical. I was on a road trip with my for my buddy's 30th birthday. We went to Utah, rented a house, went to state parks and hiked and rock climbed. I did it with 11 30-year-olds. I watched what they did with their money, what they talked about, what they bought, what they thought was interesting. So I got hooked up with this band, this guy's named Justin Childers. And he's an amazing storyteller. And his songs are so diametrically opposed to heavy metal or hard rock. You've got to listen to Justin Childers super passionate and it it reminds me of i just looked at my spotify i've just added a lot of johnny cash yes. one of the greatest storytellers yes, absolutely the stories you hear in music and the the thoughts they convey but 
the really emotional meaning in songs comes out of like Everclear and the offspring. They talk about the neighborhoods, the, the poverty they grew up in and drug addiction and all kinds of things. They, they sing about it and the songs, they rock so hard because they're venting this pain and emotion. Yeah. It blows me away. And then, you know, you got the all-time great rock bands for parties like ACDC, the Rolling Stones, yep. Van Halen. Yeah. One of the greatest ever bands. Yep. I mean, all these phenomenal bands, but going to live shows, go see Roger Waters perform The Wall yep. and sit in the first few rows. It's just like... Well, I actually had tickets to it before COVID hit. We had, we had, yeah, so I still have tickets <laughs> to Roger Waters so when, whenever he comes back. Think about how pent up the desire to go to live shows is. You're right. You're right. I mean, I, people are going to spend bundles of money on the experiences and getting out. Yeah. So what are your favorite bands? Well, well, Roger Waters is definitely up there. I've seen him a few times. Pearl Jam is my, my number one. I've gone, uh, I've, I've seen them many, many times here in the U.S. But one, one, thing, uh, one, one thing that happened was I remember they, because in Boston, they love playing Boston. That's the second favorite city behind Seattle because they're from Seattle. Um, but they said, we love these cities. We love Boston, but nothing compares to South America. So I went oh, to South America, Brazil. Uh, and what we we went few shows. I have a friend in Brazil uh, who's in, who's Brazilian, and I got him into Pearl Jam. And so a few years ago, flew flew all over flew all around Brazil following <laughs> following Pearl Jam. And, and he, they're right. It's nothing. Nothing is compared to uh, sixty thousand people knowing every single word of every single song. It, it, it was nothing like I've ever experienced. So uh, that's an experience with your best friend yeah. and then making the effort going, traveling to make it happen. Yeah, what right. are you willing to do to make that happen? Right. I love it. I mean, you're a rock star for doing that. <laughs> no, it, it, it is. It is pretty cool. And getting away. I think the biggest thing getting away from from, from you know, your, your normal life. Right. Uh, and and uh, just escaping and stuff like that. And music in itself, you don't have to go. I mean, that's even another experience, but just even just getting away and listening to, to something to remove yourself from kind of the normal day-to-day -day thing of day-to-day -day pressures of, of, of deciding and riding the stock market. Totally. So there are a few ideas, both stocks and music that are worth considering, worth adding to your watch list, worth adding to your playlist. Jim, thanks so much for joining us today. As always, it was amazing. And I'm sure everyone's going to love it and listen to this over and over again. Mr. Big, in America, at least as long as we don't turn socialist, anyone can do anything. You're the architect of your life. Bill taught me to do this. You can learn to do this. You can change your life. You, Everyone listening, if you're not in a, in a private jet yet, you can go there. In America, anyone can do anything. I, Merry Christmas. I hope you all have a blowout year as good as this one. Next year, I want 2021 to be as good or better for everyone monetarily yes perfect so next week we will have kenny polcari returning back to the show and continuing his story kenny is the founder of case capital advisors so that's it for this week on investing with ibd i'm arusha paris and thanks for listening and for this week's Nilton charts make sure to go to investors.com podcast where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section and make sure to subscribe rate and review our podcast if you haven't already we'd really appreciate it you can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. 
We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode.